Hey everybody, welcome back to this week's episode of the Long Lost Heroes podcast. Uh, I'm one of your co-hosts, Frank, and I'm joined by AJ. How are you doing? Hey everybody, how are you? Man, it's it's been another crazy week. We are uh, recapping the season 7, episode 6, the penultimate episode of this season of Game of Thrones, uh, which was titled Beyond the Wall. Um, and as as we kind of all talked about and predicted last week um they finally journeyed beyond the wall beyond Eastwatch, the magnificent seven dirty dozen whatever you want to call it uh gang of heroes and things kind of went in a way that i don't think maybe we were expecting oh my um, god yes so obviously last week we we threw down predictions on like the main seven characters who uh, who are Thoros, Beric, Jon Snow, Gendry, Jorah, uh, Tormund, and uh, who am I missing? Uh, the Hound. So we, we were like, okay, who's going to live? Who's going to die? Like, Not everyone's making it out of this. And then basically completely change of directions. We only lose Thoros in, I mean, first of all, fucking polar bear zombies. <laughs> <laughs> the zombie polar bears that were oh my god <laughs> I mean I mean the show keeps you guessing so like the whole time every time they cut back which was a few times in the episode to your the dirty dozen magnificent seven suicide squad of game of thrones uh every time that it did that I'm like oh my god it's coming it's happening now and when the polar bear zombie thing comes out of the crazy snowstorm and fights all of them oh my god that uh, i mean just consistently who, who even i i didn't know that was even a threat <laughs> you know <laughs> but of course it is yeah, like of, of course, course it, it is of course it is so oh. they're fighting that off yeah we lose thoros so like i you know i guess we could have you know kind of saw that going in I, i'm not you know he's not really one of the unexpected people um, if we're gonna, you know, kind of begin with the bang, the big battle, and the adventures beyond the wall, you know, I want to, you know, everything about, you know, what when they're up there is just on the edge of my seat. Can't even believe what's happening, and you know, just all these different like meetings and reunions and experiences all culminating in you know the craziest battle. Uh, you know, we've seen in, I mean, well, I guess this season's just been epic. Frank, okay, so when they're, like, battling the giant bear, <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> like, how, like, a few of these, like, guys who, like, fall away, like, I thought for a second, like, Jon Snow got eaten by the bear. Now, you know, see, that's the thing. I think leading into this episode, they, they show the main seven, but... They have a bunch of red shirts with them, like a, just a bunch sure, of sure, sure, wildling Nights Watch whoever members that you don't know their names, you barely know their faces, and so they're just expendable. And like I think that's what maybe we were predicting going in here was like, oh well, people are gonna die, uh, but we assumed it would be people that we cared about. So yeah, a lot of these guys get taken out by the polar bear, by some of the whites. Like it, it's. It, it's it's good for our characters and it, it 
means that they have a more important role to play but it does undercut a little bit of the dramatic tension because you're like oh oh my god so and so's gonna die and then it's like oh wait no we're all fine everyone makes it out um and like you said with the polar bear scene it it seemed like some people were actually worse for wear but uh thoros he he gets injured and ultimately i think because he's so hurt that's what leads to his death but yeah um and I mean, there are implica- implications with his death because that means Beric is no longer uh, going to be able to be resurrected time and time again, like he has been so far. But um, I mean, all in all, it's it's a successful mission. It was a terrible plan, but at a, a great cost. Um, obviously, yeah. It- but the okay, Game of Thrones has like taught us to be like the most critical story show watchers because you really believe that at any given moment anything can happen and you know for once you know or kind of the past maybe two seasons kind of the good guys win a lot of the time and you see this and you're you kind of go through the episode and you're like oh well okay you know and, and like then at the end we're all like well how did they do this and what happened and I think that it's maybe just, you know, part, this is just part of the story. This is what, this is the going up part. And eventually there's going to be a big downturn. <laughs> yeah. But like, you know, for right now, for better or worse, we kind of have to keep going up. So yeah. when they're out there in the, in the ship, and let's not be hasty about this. Like the way that they went up from, you know, this way beyond the wall is can you know, opposed to the other ways where you go through the wall over at the uh, Castle Black. Castle Black, Um, You know, it's considerably different in that when they're walking around, there was no vegetation, there's no forest, there's no nothing, there's no wildlings. This is just barren, desolate wastelands. It's a a bleak atmosphere. Bleak atmosphere. So they're just walking and they're battling against the craziness that is this whole adventure. And, you know... Uh, the whole time, especially when we got past the polar bear, and you see Jon Snow, and you're like, oh, shit. Like, how did this... What is... How did this even happen? Um, yeah. You know, I'm really prepared, you know, for what I thought was the... Oh, the shoe going to drop, which was the end of this episode. So, you know, we're, we'll get back to the other stuff b- b- uh, south of the wall in a little bit. But let, yeah. let's get right over to the big... The climax of this scene, which was... Epic. I've never seen anything like this before, and I think that it worked. What did yeah. you think of the final climax battle? Oh my god, <laughs> it, right. it was like a movie, and like you said it before, edge of your seat. I literally I, I, sometimes has happened in this show, but I was I couldn't sit back. I like I had a beer at one point. I just like put it down. I, I'm like I can't even think about drinking <laughs> this right now. I, I feel like I'll spit it out or I'll like choke. <laughs> it's just I was focused because so many unexpected things could happen. Like. We were almost led to believe that Tormund was going to get basically torn apart, and then he gets pulled out of it. And, you know, they keep doing that with other characters, and you, you think that um, Jon Snow gets pulled under and that he's not going to make it. You, you almost see Jorah flying off the dragon, and he's not going to make Like, there are so many moments where these characters that you really care about, that you're like, ah, just I just want them to be okay. We want them to get, make it out of there. And, you know, ultimately... Danny comes to the rescue, which, again, I think this show has been delivering in a lot of ways um, over the course of this season with 
moving so fast, but it's almost distracting. Like over the past couple of episodes, how fast things are moving. Like, you know, sure. they, they're obviously it's, it's probably taken them weeks to march up wherever they are. And then they send Gendry back like just full blast, just go run. They <laughs> say run. They, I, what I was thinking after the thrones so that they've, they're at least out there for a night. So like they've spent a night out there, you know, from the point of which after Gendry ran away. Sure. So like maybe they were, you know, a few hours into their thing. You know, we won't quite know that, but I think yeah. it's safe to say that they're out there for at least a, they're out there for at least two days, maybe three days, and it, you know, the ending when they call up. Uh, okay, so let's talk about what happens here. So, <sighs> okay, so one of these guys starts charging at a like a platoon of. Okay, no, 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 we have to go back even further. All right. Okay, so. <laughs> Uh, Tormund and Jon Snow see, like, a platoon of White Walkers, um, and their whites out walking in the fucking wastes. They right, set a right. trap for them, and when they do, uh, they have a fight with them. Jon is able to kill the White Walker, which is, like, a similar to the Chitari, uh, kind of a situation where if you kill the main, uh, hive controller, you kill, uh, his little, you know, whites as well. So this is when they discover a big thing and then they capture one of these guys and then they start taking them, taking him on their way. It's... Who was conveniently not controlled by that white walker. Exa that. Exactly. <laughs> but so, anyway. so they're walking around trying to figure this shit out. It's getting worse and worse and worse outside. Uh, while, you know, all of a sudden, you know, this thing's making noise. It's been, it's been attracting, you know, white walkers and all of a sudden thousands upon thousands the army of the dead let's just call it that yeah. shows up and so you know it's pretty much looking pretty bleak uh for our main characters here except that they run out and they see a a lake now this lake is frozen over and when they stop they realize that and they realize they have to keep running but they also realize that this can also kind of serve as a moat because they see like what's like a rock right sure. so they all run out there it's like the most craziest thing ever. I'm not doing it justice. It's like it's it's so beautifully shot. Alan Taylor came back to direct this. Yeah. I mean, this is a movie level director. Movie level director. Game yeah. of Thrones. Like, oh, it's amazing. And, and yeah. Just some of the stuff that they did in the the after episode where they actually show them in Iceland on on location filming, but then recreating some of it in Belfast, making this ice lake look so real. It's unbelievable. Um, it, and like, it, it just, I couldn't believe that they were able to match that because it all looks like it's one place. Um, which, you know, just again, credence to the, uh, special effects guys on this show. Like they just do such an amazing job and it, it make everything so believable. Um, but yeah, ultimately we've got an army of whites circled around them and it becomes a stalemate because the whites won't progress any further because they're falling into the lake because it the ice breaks and they get stranded there. And that, I, I think obviously it was a really good moment that Gendry had actually gone out. Cause if he was with them, they all would have been stranded and they, they wouldn't have been able to get a word out. Right. So they send for that Raven, uh, down to Danny and Dragonstone, um, which 
<laughs> it, you know, from Tyrion's perspective, is a, a bad choice for her to make, for her to hop on her dragons and fly up all the way to the north. And I, I didn't think this was going to happen, because in my mind, I was like, well, if, if Daenerys goes north to the Wall and she encounters the Whites and the White Walkers, they're just going to be able to take everything out. They're going to light everything on fire, and they're going to win. And it's not going to be a problem. But similar to the beginning of the season where we think Daenerys is so overpowered and that Cersei wasn't going to be a threat, the other side has tricks up their sleeves. Oh, my and God. major trick from the Night King, he pulls out an ice javelin and Olympic style throws it at Viserion, one of Daenerys's dragons, oh my kills God. it, and at the very end of the episode, raises it from the dead, and they now have a white dragon, ice dragon, whatever it ends up being, we don't know. So theoretically, do you do we think that the ice dragon like breathes ice? I've been going back and forth on this. I don't think it breathes fire because that would be counterproductive to sure, sure, sure. everything that the Night King wants. I think it, as a dragon um, that wouldn't breed anything, that might be okay. I think they may just end up bending the rules a bit and it'll breathe ice or breathe cold, whatever it may be. Cause, <laughs> uh, I think they, there's a distinction that I've been reading on the internet that there are ice dragons or at least rumors of ice dragons in this universe um, that are actually made of ice and not, you know, a dead dragon. Um, and right. so whether or not, I, I think they'll probably have this thing breathe ice because that would be fucking awesome to see. Just, you know, two dragons going head to head, like blowing this stuff at each other. It reminds me of like, uh, I think the dueling dragons ride in Harry Potter world. Um, oh where my you God, got like, yeah. the, the two. Um, so that's really cool. But yeah, I mean, they the Night King just got a huge, huge, like not necessarily an advantage because I think there's always been um, a level of advantage on their side because any enemy that, or any ally they have that dies on our side, basically, anyone that dies becomes part of their team, the Night King's team. And so now this dragon is the same thing and it's it doesn't bode well for our heroes. Um, and obviously it really impacts Daenerys because this, is one of her children. She really sees this as one of her children, and um, it's a huge loss for her. Um, I think towards the end of the episode, you really see her uh, start to let her guard down and how much it's affecting her. Um, I thought it was really interesting, though, that like it took the internet to figure out which dragon it was, and like why why wouldn't she call out which one she lost if this is one of her children, right? Yeah, well, it, this is it's like the show, man. Like the show isn't like you know isn't super heavy on exposition all the time. It's just, it's super sparse with the exposition. That's why you have to watch almost every episode to be up on what's actually going on. So, like, that's, like, it's kind of a bummer that you have to know which color Viserion is <laughs> in yeah. order to, like, understand, you know, which dragon died the other night. Um, and that's cool. Um, but I, I agree with you. I think it's... Okay, so I don't know if it's going to be a full-on ice-breathing dragon, but I think if they have an ice-breathing dragon, that can totally allow the whites to walk around the wall. And, like, totally. they, they can so freeze, you know, that whole area. So I'm down to see that happen. Um, 
Uh, okay. The Hound just being generally a dick, like, <laughs> like he, like, huh. that's what as he does much, best. As much as you want to like him, you have to remember he's kind of like an evil, crazy guy, and he's like a he's like an asshole, <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, yeah, he, he's hard to to deal with. Um, it's it's interesting how they've made him such a sympathetic character over over the years but yeah the, the characters with him always have a tough time because he, it's a hard nut to crack for sure oh yeah and he is just like the embodiment of like the all the you know the craziness that was of this world and you know i'm very excited that he kind of survived uh i can't believe that he did i did not think he was going to survive uh all right let's talk about jora and john snow giving the sword to uh jorah and jorah saying no so uh what's the sword's name like uh, uh long fang uh, or something uh long shanks i don't know long long claw long, long claw. claw anyway <laughs> so like this is like the mormont family sword it was uh jorah's father's sword that he bequeathed to Jon snow at the wall it's pretty bitchin um, yeah, made of Valyrian ma- made steel. Made of Valyrian steel. Um, it is, by all intents and purposes, Jorah's birthright. He denies it, which is crazy. So I thought at that moment, like, oh, this is Jorah's last little yeah. happy times. He's so dead. <laughs> and uh, so it was interesting to me to see that. Um, it was also cool that, uh, you know, when, he fi- when all the White Walkers showed up, he's the first person to grab his, uh, you know, dragon glass. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, well, like said, it's, it's interesting. The uh, we wa- rewatched that. This is one of the first time we rewatched an episode uh, mid season. So we watched last week's before this episode because just so much stuff happened last week uh, that again, I I really thought Jorah was gonna go because uh, there's like this moment when he's leaving Dragonstone. He looks back at Danny. I'm like, oh no, <laughs> that doesn't. That's not a good look. That's like a final look. Um, and then, like you said, they have this in exchange where, like, we know that uh, Jorah isn't quite like a fatherly figure necessarily for all these people, but it is an elder, someone kind of passing along, passing the torch, being like, you know, this is your, you earned this sword, you've used it, it uh, you've killed White Walkers with it, it you've earned it, and uh, I'm not taking that away from you. Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> I, I thought that was his like his last thing, but you're right. He he grabs that dragon glass. He's ready to go. He's ready to fight. Like this is someone that this is like the first time we've seen him in the north, like Gendry and the Hound. Like uh, we haven't seen them this this far north, uh, save for the end of last week's episode, obviously. But so it's crazy to see all these people covered in snow. Like Gendry saying, "I've never seen snow before." Um, <laughs> It's just so much happened, man. Like, um, but yeah, no, I, I really like that moment, and I'm, I'm really glad he survived. Um, but uh, you, you can kind of feel that uh, Jorah maybe stepping aside a little bit, and he still um, respects and uh, will do anything for Danny. But I don't think he's quite um, necessarily pining for her as much. And I think he sees that there's something blossoming between John and Danny, and that he's kind of stepping aside which i still don't know how i feel oh, about it but oh. <laughs> it's okay um other other characters there um I, I think 
I feel like that pretty much covers it. Um, the I, the last bit I, I think we should cover is that with Jon Snow, um, obviously he gets left behind at a point. Okay, so he Jon Snow at a certain point is like the guy who stays on the elevator just to, to go down to pu- the parking lot just because like somebody else like pushed it by accident but knows that he doesn't need to go there and like you know he's <laughs> kind of just like stuck in the back like listen just get the fuck off at your stop man it's time to get off the train like <laughs> let's go like you don't have to be the hero right now it's just okay so uh i don't get why he he's always um fighting to let everybody go and sacrificing himself uh i also don't really know how he survived underwater for however long he was whatever yeah, yeah is he just see. is he just he undead and unkillable now is that like one of the things i don't know i don't know i mean similar to last week when uh when jamie was underwater in the river and then he comes up and breathes you know it's like i it's just this is suspension of disbelief we have to assume that cutting away is not as long as it seems it you know similar right. to how sometimes cutting between scenes like a huge amount of time passes sometimes it's like literally just seconds um so yeah so he he survives and uh almost we don't think he's gonna make it and then out of nowhere cold hands benjamin stark comes to his rescue uh seemingly for his last hurrah um which is which is pretty powerful, you know. This is a, a character that we we met at the very beginning of the series that Jon Snow had a huge connection to, as you know, this is his uncle, someone else that served in the Night's Watch, someone that Jon looked up to, and basically was the reason why he wanted to join the night in the Night's Watch. And we we get the return of this character uh, last season as he saves Bran, and now he fulfills another purpose and saves Jon Snow. Um, it, it seems to me like he's probably dead. I don't, you know, I'm sure there are arguments yeah. out there that he, he might have survived, but he's already kind of half dead. Um, but, you know, it, it, it again opens up the door for things to move super fast. And by the end of the episode, Jon Snow is reunited with everybody. So, oh my um, God. It, okay. Then that was like a, a really kind of awkward but adorable meeting. Because she's just, like, waiting on his bed for him to wake up and just so, you know, sad but excited for him to be there. And she sees all of his scars and all of the shit and, like, he wakes up and he's like, I'm so sorry. And they have that very nice hand-holding moment, which is very sweet. But ultimately, I think he's denied there a little bit, right? Like, he's he was trying to get it in. And she said, no? Did I interpret well, that wrong? I, I think, well, I think the main thing to take away is that he basically bends the knee. Yes, he does. Um, right, and, and, right. And so it's more of a um, a political move than necessarily um, a relationship move because I think in reality, Jon Snow's like, I could barely breathe. I can't barely open my eyes right now. There's no way I'm getting some. So like, I think he respects the fact that she came to their rescue feels incredibly bad that she lost one of her children and now she sees that the threat is real that they're on the same side and that um and it's an interesting choice it's like so if she sees the threat is real and is gonna fight this war why does he have to bend the knee necessarily if they're allies in this you know what i mean like because it seemed like 
in order for her, uh, for her to actually do this a couple episodes ago, he was going to have to bend the knee. And it just seems like an empty promise, an empty purpose for it. But I, I guess it's to unite everyone, the, the North, for them out from all to follow her, I guess. Yeah, I think so. I think that's the, you know, the way to go that he has to, you know, it's what Tormund said. Like, he has to, not, he can't be, have the same uh, mistakes as Mance Raider. You know, not sure. being too proud of, you know, that you won't, you know, listen and pay attention and, uh, you know, try to help your people. And it, ultimately, he needed to, uh, you know, think of the best interest of everybody, you know, he's trying to keep alive. What I don't understand is why, if he's so close to Eastwatch, why not take five hot seconds and go over to Winterfell, you know, introduce uh, Danny to the family, yeah. get, get Ghost, and then head down from there? Why do they need to go back to Dragonstone? Is like, are they trying to show up with, you know, everybody else? Clearly, Tyrion can get to uh, King's Landing on his own. Why not just let them do that and then have everybody meet them from yeah. the other side? I don't I know. Mean, that that to me just seemed a little bit crazy. I'm fine yeah. with it though. Uh, okay, so now that we are indeed moving south of the wall, we can catch up with some of our south of the wall characters. Um, all right, so uh, let's check in with Arya Stark and Sansa. So ultimately. Where we left off was Arya has seen this note. We had discovered that the note was the original note that Sansa was forced to write under duress from Queen Cersei and the entire, uh, you know, council where you had Varys and Littlefinger and you had, um, you know, the the Maester at the time. Uh, so, you know, she writes this letter. She sends it to Rob Stark. He reads it. He gets very upset. So Arya obviously had no idea about this, reads it, gets very upset, and confronts Sansa about it uh, for the first time. Um, and Sansa's like, I, you know, kind of says the same thing that we just reiterated. She was under duress. She didn't yeah. know what to do. She had to do what she, you know, had to do to live. But Arya kind of counters and like, listen, like, I was in the fucking crowd. Like, you stood by with Joffrey as they killed our father. Like, it's it's bullshit. And you're up here pretending to be Lady Stark. What the actual fuck? Right. And this is where Arya has a tremendous point. Um, whose side in that argument do you more closely align? And who do you think ultimately is, you know, more right at this moment in time? Like who? Like like who do you agree with? But who also like of their uh, the whole situation? Who do you think is you know, more righteous in their feelings. So I think this is, it's so complicated. And like, this is one of the main reasons why we, we rewatched last week's because there were all the manipulations. I wanted to look really closely at what Arya was doing, what Litterfinger was doing um, and try to piece things together. I mean, there've been, there were theories out there like, Oh, she's trying to play him and, and all this stuff. And I just, I, I can't put my finger on it still. I, I think it's going to come to a head next episode, but I, I am siding with Arya um, because I feel like she has a greater purpose here. Um, like, like she pointed out, um, she knew this uh, or she knows this lying game. And I feel like there's a little bit more that she's letting on that. She's maybe playing Sansa a little bit 
in that she can kind of see her true motivations um, and that it's not that she that Sansa necessarily wants to rule. I think she does ultimately want what's best for, for the kingdom, but um, she's just been manipulated by Littlefinger so much. And I think Arya handing the dagger back to Sansa, it's just another step in that game. You know, it, it, it passed from Littlefinger to Bran to Arya to Sansa. It, 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 there's importance here. And it makes me wonder if there's going to be a moment where, you know, obviously Sansa sent Brienne away. So there's, I, I have to feel, believe that there's going to be a moment of retribution coming for, for Littlefinger and that this, this game he's trying to play and separating the Starks isn't going to work. And that Arya is, is playing the game a little bit more so than he believes. What do you think? I, okay. So I think that, first of all, I side more with Sansa because I feel like, like in the now, like she's done more of her shit kind of, you know, without her control in a lot of ways, you know, whereas like Arya in the moment where she's able to escape is kind of in control of her own destiny for most of the show. And, you know, Sansa in, in that, regard you know is a little bit more uh sheltered for that reason um because she's never really allowed to make her own choices in life she kind of has to do what others need her to do or what she's being held prisoner to do or what she's being held captive to do so you know i kind of see where santa's coming from but the ultimately i see where i think that aria is right and that she can't tell uh these lords of the north like that all this shit about her past like she has to kind of keep her mouth shut and deal with this and kind of has to also own up to the fact that you know she's really just a steward for john john snow and we can't be fucking around here like this is not you know let's all not pretend that sansa is now you know fully in charge forever that she's just holding the place for the king of the north to be back and more badass than ever now that we've seen his, you know, new friends. Um, I, okay, I think it's also possible that may, do we know that you absolutely have to kill the person in order to steal their face? See, that is still unclear to me. I think for a while I sort of assumed that the, the faceless men there wasn't just this uh, mask, that there is actually a little bit of magic involved. But the more and more they show, the less it seems like that's the case um, because you see this bag of masks. Obviously, we've seen the, the faces um, in in the hall in the, uh, the House of Black and White a couple seasons ago. Right. Uh, but we see them in this bag, and it, you know, it, it just, to me, how does Arya have all these resources to, like when she became... Walter Frey at the beginning of the season, um, you know, take all of his clothes, wears his clothes and puts his face on and has like hair and prosthetic hair that she, she applies and like boots that make her taller and all this. Like, it just, it seems like there's a little bit more to it than just putting the face on. Um, so that's why I thought that there was some like kind of magic involved, but um, they haven't really explored that. Uh, I only well, ask because do you think that it's possible that Arya could have stolen Littlefinger's face in, in the now, and maybe was was at was pretending to be Littlefinger when it, 
they were, you know, she was kind of, you know, speaking to Sansa. And I was thinking that only because in that scene, Littlefinger really wasn't acting how I thought Littlefinger would act. He was kind of acting how Arya, you know, would. That's a good point. And the way that, like, the way his lines of questioning and, and, like, trying to, you know, pull pull different things out of her. I thought that, too. I thought that there was a a very, uh, a a good possibility that she had killed him and taken his face and, and became him. Um, I, I don't think that there would be a purpose in keeping him alive without a face. Um, I, like, what would she do with him? I don't know. Um, she can't put that thing back on. <laughs> I, right. I don't think that works. Um, so if she did kill him, I wouldn't. it would be a little bit of a shock, but I think uh, in line with some of the things that they showed us. Um, so we'll see. I, I do think... Um, I think between the three characters, it's possible that somebody dies next week. Uh, yes. I, I think we, as we uh, care about the Stark so much, we would hope it would be Littlefinger. And, but at the same time, he's crafty. We don't he's, know. He's the craftiest. Um, all right. So moving, uh, that, that was pretty much all they showed us um, yeah. this week. But uh, obviously, there's a little bit more going on. I mean, we saw Tyrion a little bit in the episode but moving ahead into next week the final the finale um it seems like everyone is heading to king's landing uh and it seems like they're going to be meeting in the the dragon pit or the fighting pit whatever they call it um so we'll see i i think the coolest thing that might happen out of this we're getting the hound going south and he may interact with the mountain and we may get that rumored Clegane bowl for, oh, I think it's definitely happening. The, I mean, they've been so fan service yet. Like at this point, like they're just going to do it. Right. Yeah. They're so going to do it. Um, so obviously that means that there needs to be some sort of combat element. Like, is there a specific reason why there's fighting? Is there, is it just them fighting? Um, or, or does some sort of actual battle break out? Um, We'll see. Uh, will Will Danny and and John make it down there with everyone, or are they going to show up at a later moment? Um, and the other thing that has been bothering me is that Bran, kind of back a little bit to the Winterfell stuff, has been so absent. In yeah. The majority of the season, to be totally honest with you, like he arrived to Winterfell and he hasn't been doing that much. Like yes, he, we see him take the ravens and send word to everybody but is there going to be some sort of realization with the starks up there that he's been watching and he knows the future of what's been happening and that's what they just haven't been showing us because it's going to reveal like what Arya's plan is or something like that um i just i hope that there's a little bit more information coming from him and maybe a reunion of of sorts with others so he can finally passed down the the knowledge about the Targaryen bloodline there's just so much to happen in in yeah. one episode um is there anything else that you think that we'll specifically see next week uh Yara d- dead <laughs> I've been hoping for this the whole time yeah. I don't know why we haven't seen that yet uh then b- but more seriously um, and I don't want Yara dead. I like Yara, but I think her time has come, and I don't know why she hasn't died on screen yet. Anyway, um, I'm sad that Brienne of Tarth 
went down south. I hope that she meets up with Torment <laughs> down south of the wall and that they like totally hook up because oh it was hilarious to hear her talking about uh, her this week. Um, I I was dying. I was, I was it's dying. so funny. Um, I yeah I I don't know. I want it to be satisfying. I know that it's it's very long. It's one of the longer episodes ever. So I think that we're in for some action packed stuff. I also wouldn't put it past this episode to kill off some major characters. So I as a result of this week. Not losing too many of them. I definitely think that a few of them could go next week. Um, I also don't think that they have anything to show us or tell us about what's happening next season or next year. Um, which, you know, I think is kind of uh, crazy. And to hear that they're already rumoring that it could be out in t- 2019 is like yeah. nuts to me. They're and... supposedly starting to film in October, which would probably mean they wouldn't finish filming in, in, until sometime in 2018. And then it could maybe air in the fall, but it, you know, with all the special effects that, that they have to do, it's, I think it's possible that it gets pushed to 2019, which is a bummer, but uh, I, I, as, I, uh, I hope, I hope not. I hope that they are able to, kind of fast track this i don't think that they need to fast track the filming of it i i just mean that they need to kind of move um i think that one of the things that you know well i guess it really depends on how next season how the season ends it you know if it has a very cliffhangery ending i think people are going to be you know pretty chomping at the bit for a long time and after a certain while people lose interest and they'll find something else and i hope that you know we're all, you know, it's crazy to me that like we're this far into this, the season seven of game of Thrones and none of the really main characters have died yet. And, you know, there's just so many that, so I just think so many could die. I don't even want to speculate on how many, I think it could be crazy. And, uh, you know, I'm curious to see, you know, just what happens next. We're super fans of the show. We love it. You know, everything about it has been absolutely great. We didn't have any real good uh, Jamie and Cersei stuff, so I'm sure that the show will open with that next week. Maybe we'll see if Cersei is uh, more far along. Um, yeah, it's going to be nuts. Anything yeah. else you want to talk about, Frank? No, I just just to kind of uh, cover up. Oh, with, where's with Sam? The... We got to yeah, see Sam. Sam. We got to yeah, see I, Sam. We got to see Sam. We got to see Theon and Yara. We have to see Grey Worm. Uh, there's a lot in Bran. There's a lot of characters that have been missing of late, so I'm hoping that the extra time gives them all yeah. uh, their their service. Um, I do think there have been a lot of cl- close calls this season in terms of character deaths. Uh, they've been you know cliffhanger moments, other uh, cutaway moments where we think someone dies. Um, so it it is possible. Now let me ask you. Yeah, the last thing I kind of want to cover. Do you think that? because they haven't really shown that much about this episode that they're going to as as Westeros united in some fashion do you think that they will head north and a battle with the white walkers will actually begin or have we seen the end of the white walkers for the season and we won't see them again until next year i don't think we're going to i don't think we're going to see them until next year okay i think so, that the white walker time is done i think that we're going to spend it 
in the South dealing with however, you know, the South wants to look uh, beyond uh, Danny. You know, they, they have to now decide, do they want to kind of all work together and do this and make this a reality? Or, or, or is it just going to be another kind of step? I thought it was very interesting to hear uh, uh, Daenerys and Tyrion talking about uh, you know, what she wants to do afterwards, after her reign. And I thought that was, you know, it's interesting that she's kind of changed a little bit and that she's like, I just want the throne and then we'll go from there. And like, that's, and she's more becoming in line with what the wheel is. And Tyrion is totally right. Um, so I don't know. (sighs) It's a lot, man. It's a lot to take in. It's, it's so much going on. It's so heavy. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, it's it's interesting, you know, if, if she takes over Westeros and rules Westeros and doesn't have a direct heir, maybe that's because they want to actually have someone chosen as their leader the next time, which would be crazy. Uh, and I just, you know, it makes me wonder if that kind of thing would last in this world. Uh, we'll see. Um but I think that pretty much covers uh, this week's episode um, of Game of Thrones and kind of some mild speculation of what's to come. Um, anything else, AJ, you think that pretty much covers it? I think that pretty much covers it. It was great to talk about this episode again with you. Uh, we have the season finale coming up, um, so we'll see how that's going to play out. Uh, really excited for you guys. Um, it was been It's been really fun to recap the episodes with you uh so if you would like uh please check us out at llh podcast on facebook instagram and twitter feel free to shoot us an email to info at longlostheroes.net check out our website www.longlostheroes.net and uh we hope you will join us next week for the series finale of game of thrones season seven uh as always i am aj And I'm Frank. Thank you very much for tuning in, and have a great week. Bye.